The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Nice to have you with me so very much. I hope you'll bear with me. I'm probably going to seem a little sluggish today. Last night, I didn't didn't sleep well, and I don't want to whine and complain, but Sometimes when I'm laying in bed, I do some of my deepest thinking. And as I go deeper and deeper into my mind, I uh, have a hard time falling asleep. I'll give you an example. Last night, I, I, I just, I got caught up. And I remember dwelling, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. But when I get into those very, very deep self-conversations, it's really hard to pull out of it. I noticed that in our light fixture, which is attached to the ceiling tightly, there were bugs in it. And I kept thinking, how, how do those bugs get in that light fixture? And, uh, well, that kept me occupied for about an hour and a half, came away with no answer, but, uh, Dwelling on it, especially when you get into that kind of depth in thinking, uh, can can make you skip sleep. So hopefully I can try to pull it together on this program. Give you the details. Of course, you know the program is called The Doctor Is In. Maybe you don't know that, but I'm hoping some of you do. Come to you 1 o'clock Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. It's co-production of the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. The number to get on to the program, 877-57-EQUAL, 877-573-7825. If you would have a question about matters that are distressing you in your life or perplexing you, confusing you, irritating you, or people that you're really, you're really trying to do the right thing with, but they're making it pretty hard, at least as you see it. If you have something to offer someone else who calls in and you said, you know, this one big, huge nationwide sensitivity encounter group, you could help them out, give them a thought or two, as well as anything that is helpful that you found in your life or your parenting or your marriage or your faith for others. Uh, Before I go into my Manalog, which really isn't a manalog this time of year. I want to share with you what it will be. Item of business, good Lord permitting, January 17th, which is a Wednesday. We are scheduled to be down at EWTN 
the studios there, beautiful studios at EWTN. Perhaps you've seen them with Father Mitch and EWTN Live or Johnette or Jim and Joy. All the wonderful folks there will be, hopefully, helping us out to produce four shows of Living Right with Dr. Ray, now taping its 14th season. I know how long I can limp my way forward. Now, it's during the day. There'll be four shows, be about an hour and a half apart. If you would like, if you're within driving distance, those of you at the Quest, um, I, I know that's a, it's a 50,000-watt boomer, so it probably reaches well out, hour, hour and a half, maybe further from the actual station signal. So you could be pretty close to Birmingham. You could be within an hour drive, hour and a half drive. If you'd like to come, see the studios, be there on the show, we'd love to have you. Easy way to sign up. EWTN.com forward slash Dr. Ray Live. D-R-R-A-Y-L-I-V-E. Dr. Ray Live. Sign up for one, two, three, or four of the shows if you wish. Bring the kids. Make it an excursion. Now, I'm... I'm not hesitant to do this, but I've noticed there's been a pattern. Now, we already have Ann, who has called because she was on a previous show. But there's a pattern here that when I talk about the infancy narratives, when the gospel reveals the very, very earliest days of our Lord becoming human, I notice there's a, there's a initial sluggishness in the calls. It's almost as though people think, well, okay, I'm not I'm not going to call him with a question or a problem or a circumstance because uh, he's headed in another direction. That's not true. This is something I'd like to do this time of year, just to speculate and have some psychological. I don't want to say fun, some psych, psychological involvement in Luke Luke's presentation because many scholars believe that Luke got these things directly from the Blessed Lady herself. But I like to ponder the implications. Now, I have no idea whether they're true or not, but what better things to think about, to ponder? Now, the first thing that strikes me as I look at the Gospel of Luke I'll see, we got uh, one, two, maybe three pages in this particular scripture, this Bible, before he begins to talk about our Lord's adult life. Three pages. Doesn't that strike you as unusual? God becoming human... And it's presented to you in three pages. The greatest event in the history of the world is summarized in three pages. Probably, as I estimate looking at this, oh, I'm going to say several hundred words, maybe eight, nine hundred, maybe a thousand words. We humans... We can write tens of thousands of words about minor subjects. We can talk about a sports game, write about a sports game. Thousands of words. 
we can talk about the most minor things, the most minor aspects of life. We can write it down. We talk about it in words, on paper. Great lengths. This strikes me that God kind of does things exactly the opposite that we would do them. He says, here, let me tell you a little bit about my son being born, and then we'll move on. Why? If you're like me, I want details. I'd like to know more. Give me some more stuff. Tell me about it. Okay, why? Then what did this happen then? Well, okay, can you flesh this out a little bit? That's my instinct when I read Scripture. Scripture is really, especially in the New Testament, very, very short. Given the subject matter, the infinite value of what it talks about, it's extremely short. Shoot, I write books and they're all longer than the New Testament, and what I got to say isn't even remotely close to what the New Testament has to say. So in essence, God says, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this, and it's going to be limited by the uh, human hand that writes it, but you'll get enough. I find that fascinating. Because if God would let me, I would want to say, okay, okay, uh, so then what happened then? So after the angel came and Mary was frightened, how did the angel convince, how long did they talk? Did they talk for a while? So let me, oh boy, I'm running out of time already, oh. And Jesus, this is Luke chapter 4. Oh no, that's, that's, that's when the adult here, let me, let me go. This is uh, Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth <clears throat> to a virgin. Now, isn't it interesting here? Um, Luke says it was the angel Gabriel. Now, I'm looking at Scripture here and no place does it say the angel identified himself. Well, you can't, I'm using himself because we know angels are spirits and they don't have male or female. But the angel identified himself as Gabriel to Mary. Luke just said the angel Gabriel. Now, you got to figure that if Mary was telling Luke about all this, she must have said he identified himself as the angel called Gabriel. There's no way Luke would know that. So he just skipped over the part where Mary told him that the angel's name was Gabriel. He just said, the angel Gabriel. Very succinct, not heavy into details. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph as a house of David. Now he had to put he had to put that in there, the house of David, because the Messiah was going to come through the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Very common name at that time. We don't know how old Mary was. Scholars tell you maybe anywhere between thirteen and sixteen. 
our our very late ages of marriage now, the average age is I think 27 or 28 for a woman, closer to 30 for a guy. Not then. Not when you had a life expectancy of 40 years. And he came to her, the angel came to her and said, Hail, full of grace. Now, <clears throat> hail, as I understand it, the Greek word there is the appellation to royalty. It's not a hello. Not, hey, how you doing? No, no. It would be like, hail Caesar. Hail. That Greek word, Greek is much more specific than English, meant this is the greeting toward royalty. Hail, full of grace. The Lord is with you. Now, there's that, that's all the farther I got because I'm looking at the clock. It's 14 minutes after. There's folks waiting in line. So I'm going to have to move on. But there's so much more I want to say. But tomorrow, I will pick it up from there, good Lord permitting. I'm Dr. Ray. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. We have something that stands in utter contrast to the lies of this world. It's called the Word of God. The Word of God is what demolishes all that sets itself up as an opponent to the good, the true, and the beautiful. All that sets itself up as an opponent to Christ Jesus. The Word of God is given to us so that we have something to hold on to that's true in all circumstances. We always have a place where we can wash ourselves in the regenerating waters of Scripture. We have a place to retreat to, where we can cling to what is true. The Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, of the joint and the marrow, and it's a judge and critic of the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Ray Grandy here. Number 877-57-EQUAL. Due to our long-standing promise, anybody on the end of the show, on a line, waiting patiently, is first up. Whenever they call back from now to Armageddon. And just because I can't spell Armageddon, it's not the end of the world. Anne from North Carolina. Hi, Ann. 
Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing fine. Yourself? I'm doing good. Well, in. <laughs> you're you're doing good, but you got this son that's uh, working on your emotions, isn't he? Yes, he is. Hmm. Well, he's he's how old is he? He's in his thirties. Ooh, so he has he been at this a long time? For a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He has he has uh, made attempts at stopping, um, but purely on his own, which we've tried to let him see or recognize that he cannot do it alone and he he needs support and he needs the help of people who know how to deal with addictions. Um, but Is it mostly alcohol or are there him. other other drugs involved? It's, it's mostly alcohol, but once he once he gets into the drinking, then he progresses. So I, I think the alcohol is the the starting factor or whatever, and, and then he progresses into heavier stuff. Has he ever had periods where he was sober? Yes. Yes. There, there are times when he uh, he's good. There'd be days he'd be good, and then he would fall off the wagon. Has this what, what what kind of damage has this done to his life? Has it broken up marriages? Has it kept him from holding a job? Does he have little money? What's it done to his well, life? Well, definitely little money. Um, holding on to a job has been difficult. He has never been married. Um, I guess that's a good thing. Um, no children, but you know he is sort of semi in a relationship. But I I don't, I don't know how much longer um, she can hold on. You know, she keeps trying to help him um, herself, but you know, I, I I don't know. Has he lived with you oh, off and on? No, not until about um, twenty sixteen. Um, he lived with us, but after that, he has come to us on uh three occasions needing um, money wanting to es- well wanting to escape um the life he was living and he came here you know to try and i guess get away from it get his head together and then go back to home his home and um you know try to turn his life around but each time you know he just falls back so I would I'm imagine, sure. Anne, that you've tried in every way you know how to to get through to him. Have you we, not? We we have tried. Um, we he he did start doing um, AA meetings, but felt that they were not helping him. So he's very hesitant to repeat that. Um, we have given him other um, organizations that he can go to. Um, we feel that he has some. Anger issues, there are things that we believe he's not capable of letting go of. Um, and that okay. may be, those well, things may be prompting his... The problem that your son is bringing upon himself has been long-standing. Obviously, incredibly intricate because 
the addictions caused their own problems, which were spiked by whatever emotions or self-control or thinking that led to the addictions. And you've done everything you can as a mother to try to make it right. I think it would be safe to say, maybe you don't, but most parents do, that you feel pretty guilty thinking that somehow, some way, you had a hand in uh, not shaping this son right. Is that true? Well, somewhat. I feel like I keep questioning whether there were signals. Well, you better stop that. And you better stand and stop it. You can't go back and say, what did we miss? How was it our fault? You, You can't do that because your son is your son. And he's wired a certain way. And you attempted to raise him as best you knew how. And if you go back and say, well, if I had it to do over again, I would do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Well, you don't have it to do over again. You don't. You're not God. And even our Lord himself couldn't get most people to follow him. So given that, the one thing I think, for, I can't give you ideas on how to alter your son's conduct. Uh, the only thing I could do is if he came to me for therapy and then maybe, even though it'd be a low success mm-hmm. rate, maybe. But what I can give you is some peace from this kind of second guessing and scouring your past and looking at where you failed and what did you miss and now it's your fault. That kind of stuff can destroy you. And the irony is it's not based on anything. That's like saying, Anne, that there was a proper formula in raising your son and you didn't know the formula. So therefore, had you known the formula, your son wouldn't be in this shape. Nothing could be further from the truth. Your son is growing up in a very hostile culture to morality. He's growing up in a very materialistic, hedonistic culture. He is his own person. He's wired the way he's wired. So therefore, he may not absorb your parenting like you would hope. So all those factors enter in right now to where your son is. The things you can do now, which I know you've done, and I hesitate to even say it, is obviously to pray for him, which you've done for years. And to tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I know you have. That's why people say, Dr. Ray, why don't you tell people to pray? And I go, yeah, like they never thought of that. They're going to say, oh, thank you, Dr. Ray. That never even (laughs) crossed my mind. But the other thing, too, is you have to make some decisions. And one of them is uh, how much money are you going to give him to support him if he comes to you for money? You, You have to make that decision and decide whether it'll do him good or it'll do him harm. How much okay. How much will you continue to say, uh, here's where you can go, here's another person, here's a counselor, here's something I read about, this could help, all of which he refuses. Or, or he may try briefly and then say, that didn't work, it didn't fix me. By the way, I get that in therapy all the time. When you get somebody who comes in okay. who's, ad- who's addicted, and, and, and mm-hmm. lots of times somebody else refers them, which I don't, I don't take those clients anymore 
because I find that when a parent calls and says, will you see my adult son? I'll set up the appointment. I'll say, have your son call me. And most of the time they don't call. So you've done all that. And I think at some point you may say to yourself, I've said all I can say. I've, I've referred him to all the places I can refer him. And hope and pray that God gets through yeah. to him somehow. And I know what you did, Ann. I'll tell you what you did, and I think it's the best thing you gave him. I'm sure you raised him in a loving, faith-filled home. He saw that. And maybe at some point in his adulthood, he'll say, I'm just messing up everything. I think I need to get back toward God. And he'll have that base that you gave him. 877-573-7825. This is Dr. Ray. Thank you so much for joining me. Give me a call. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. So when you see these different media outlets working directly in conjunction or conclusion with the government to suppress stories, what does that say to us about the reliability or lack thereof of the secular media? And then this is combined with a report that came out, a survey that was done on media executives. They interviewed 75 media leaders around the country, and they're saying we're done with objectivity. Well, that's not exactly a news flash. But the fact that they're claiming that objectivity is just no longer necessary and we are elitist, we know better, and this is what we're going to do, is frightening. And this is one of the reasons that we stress the importance of having outlets such as The Register and EW10 News Nightly and The World Over and Catholic News Agency and EW10 News In Depth. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. When we refer to our Father who art in heaven, are we talking to a God who is far removed from us? On the contrary, says the Catholic Catechism, we are talking to a Father who is close to humble and contrite hearts. We assert that God is in the hearts of the just as he is in his holy temple. He is in heaven, his dwelling place. The Father's house is our homeland. Sin has exiled us, but conversion of heart enables us to return to the Father, to heaven. Christians are in the flesh, but they do not live according to the flesh. They spend their lives on earth, but are citizens of heaven. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Privilege to be with you, privilege to talk with you. Obviously, this isn't therapy. I can't diagnose, certainly can't step anywhere onto the turf of another counselor. But hopefully, we can get a few ideas, a few thoughts, and uh, sometimes the thoughts reverberate enough to make some good changes. Kind of a heavy situation here from an anonymous daughter. Uh, 
Daughter, I'll let I'll let you explain the situation. Hi. Um my mom lives with us and um we thought she was very or she was very sick and we took her to the ER. We couldn't wake her up and um on Saturday and she was unconscious and very sick and um I just found out this morning that she had tried to commit suicide. And I don't I'm very upset and I'm very angry and I just I was going to visit I mean I've been visiting her every day but I don't know what to talk to what how to talk to her now that I know she wanted to kill herself instead of live with us any longer. Well, I'm uh, first of all, do you think that's the reason that she wanted to kill herself because she didn't want to live with you that she was escaping from you or was she no, trying to escape from life? Just just life, but I it still hurts that, I mean, we we moved her here, and my kids, you know, we live with, she has six grandkids, and we take her places, like, I feel like her life is pretty good, I'm, I just, I don't understand. Has she ever had a history of suicide attempts? <sighs> She's never tried before, she's always, or not always, but as long as I can remember, been unhappy um, but she used to kind of blame it on my dad and then he passed away a couple of years ago and now she's lonely. She misses my dad, but, um, she just, she kind of complains a lot. So we always just thought it was her complaining. Um, this is the first time she ever did anything. Um, but it was right after, um, Friday night, we'd taken her to my son's piano recital and she seemed to enjoy it. I just, I just don't understand what happened. I'm going to assume that because she was unconscious when you found her, you also found the pill bottles. I I did. I'm the one that found her, and I I didn't find them immediately. Um, my husband did when he was um, she was having new furniture delivered that same day, and he moved stuff aside for the new furniture, and he found some, but. We also thought she might have accidentally done it at first because she has some memory problems. But then this morning when she woke up, the nurses talked to her and she said she had done it on purpose and that she would rather be dead than alive. I think when your mom gets a chance to talk a little bit more about this, and you said something significant, I'll return to it in a second here. When she gets a chance to talk a little bit more about this, You'll probably come out. How how old is she? She's late seventies. Okay. It'll probably come out that she's saying to herself, "I'm lonely. I'm unhappy. Uh, they shouldn't have to be burdened with me. So it's best that I just do this, the good thing for everybody, and uh, and end it all." Do you think that's what might come out? Maybe. I don't, I mean, I, that sounds reasonable. Well, you would know because she's well, not probably... Well, reasonable, but... <laughs> yeah, good, good word. You would, because she's probably said things similar to that all along the way up to this, correct? Yes. Now, here's, here's the question. I knew a girl once, and as a matter of fact, I dated her a couple times. This is way back. And she committed suicide in her, I think, 40s. She was diabetic, 
and I don't know how brittle she was in her diabetes. I hadn't had any contact with her for years. But anytime you have someone that has a, a physiological involvement or in your mother's case, a cognitive involvement, that can be a factor in making their decision. In other words, what I'm saying is I, I don't know what your mom's mindset capability was when she decided to do this. Uh, has she been showing any other signs of dementia other than the beginning of memory? Have you noticed any personality changes? Yes, she's much more pleasant <laughs> to be oh. around. Okay, well, that's good. All right. So the dementia's making her nicer. I got it. Um, but she also, um, you had mentioned, I heard the other day you mentioned something, but she thinks if any if a man talks to her that they might be interested in her. We've kind of had problems with that, too. Okay. Um, okay, so she's getting a little confused. Yes. All right. So so that's that could be, if only God knows how much that might be a factor in her making this decision. If her mind worked completely well, she might be able to stave off this depression that she's feeling, this loneliness, this this isolation. And I know you're thinking, aren't we enough? Our love, yeah. our family, our stability. We let her know how much we care for her. We spend time with her. The kids, kids fill up her life. Isn't that enough? That's what you're thinking, isn't it? That's exactly what I've been thinking. <laughs> well, it is enough. It is. But it doesn't mean she still won't do that. That's where you're making the mistake. You're thinking, okay. if, if we were more loving and better at this, she wouldn't even think about this. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. Because you can't control what's going on in her mind. Just because you have all this nice love surrounding her doesn't mean she's not going to get caught up in what she thinks she's missing. I don't have my husband anymore. I'm in my late 70s. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not as sharp as I used to be. Uh, I don't feel like going out. Uh, boy, my life is just so constricted. So all the things that you're doing, she's, she's getting caught up in other things, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Now, at this point, after, I mean, they're going to keep an eye on her, and, and hopefully you'll get to talk to her. Stay away from any kind of uh, your frustration with her or blaming her or anything like that. Just say, Ma, what, what, what were you thinking? And she'll say, it's just better to not be alive. Okay, Mom, tell, tell me why you think it was better not to be alive. Well, look at me. I'm old. I don't have my husband. I'm living off of somebody, etc., etc. Mom, what can we do? to make you think it is better to be alive with us. Okay. Okay. If you have somebody that has no history like this, and and then they, they attempt this, this rather significant event, even though they've got uh, all this sadness leading up to it, you got to explore it a little bit. Find out what's going on with her, because i got a feeling here you're going to hear a lot of thoughts that she's kept to herself you didn't know were there. 
But I will leave you with this, dear. The last thing you need to do is to say somehow we fell short in giving her love, and that's why she did this. It was a comment on us. Not at all. 60 Seconds with Father Mitch Pacwa. Buddhism itself has a lot of different forms. There's no one type of Buddhism. When you get to Buddha himself, he was a complete agnostic and uh, supposed to have been a very wealthy prince who had everything but found that this was all hollow and empty, especially in the face of death. What he came up with as a basic principle is that the source of all suffering in life is having desires. So you need to free yourself of all desires, and then you won't suffer in this life anymore. This would be very different from Christianity, where we don't want to give up our desire for God. First, we do believe that there is one God. Second, we do believe that it's three persons in one God. And thirdly, that the goal of life is not emptiness, but is union with God. And through Jesus Christ, that's the way of salvation. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. John 6, verses uh, 48 to 58. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread, meaning me. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat of it and never die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh, at which the Jews disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're scandalized by this. How is it that we're not? How is it that we just hear this and go, Oh yeah, I know that passage. They're just outraged and at least perplexed. Sane people, inspired teachers, wise men, Prophets don't say things like this. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Garendi. Susie, I'll be right with you. Uh, in the fall, I had a chance to go down to Texas. Killeen, Texas. It was great to be down there. The Armor of God Catholic Radio folks were putting on their banquet, and my son, who is a soldier at Fort Cavazos, formerly Fort Hood, and my wife and daughter got to go down, and those people were, they were as welcoming as welcoming could be. Plus, it was kind of nice, all these colonels and lieutenant colonels and officers retired, and I think some of them are still active. Well, they have added two new signals. They got KTON in Cameron, Texas, and that's 13.30 a.m., and 93.9 FM in Temple, Texas. So Tom and Marie McNew, whole gang there, bringing Catholic Radio to more and more of Texas. That's really cool. Uh, they're great people, and I thank you so much. Susie has something, hopefully, that will... Well, help us here. Thanks, Susie. Hello. Thank you for calling. Well, I do have something. When I turned the radio on, the lady was talking. You were talking. It was the end of the call. I didn't hear the first part about her son. 
and how she was feeling. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, i got to call and tell them about my card. <laughs> Go ahead, but dear. There is a prayer, and it's from the Fathers of Mercy, Association of Marian Helpers. Sorry. And this is a prayer. Can I read it? Sure. Okay. Do, it says, trust me. Do you believe that I am the Son of God? And do you believe that I died for all men and women and that I rose from the dead? Then why do you continue to be distracted and anxious about your loved ones? Do they not also belong to me? Would I refuse to work in their lives just as I work in yours? I have not put you in charge of redeeming them. I have already done that. Nor do you have the power to change their hearts. Only my Holy Spirit searches and knows the deepest hearts of men and women, and only he can heal their deepest wounds. Your task is to love, to forgive, to pray for them, and to turn them over to me. Come closer to me yourself, and I will do the rest. Trust me. Isn't that good? That's very pretty, Susie. That is a very uh, heartwarming and uh, pretty accurate kind of prayer. That's uh, that's nice. Where'd you get that? I well, a friend of mine that's in her nineties that I say the rosary with every day read it to me, and I said I'm going to write that down. So I wrote it down and I showed it to my daughter. I'm eighty, and she said, "Mother," she said. I'll, I'll order you some. And she got on her phone, click, click, click. And she ordered me 50. And they go like hotcakes. Everybody that I meet needs one. And it helps so much because he really does love us and he really is in charge. And we all love and feel just like she was feeling. I just felt for her. But I, I read this sometimes more than once a day because I have. Five children and 16 grandchildren and four great-grandchildren. And not all of them are doing what they should by a long shot. That's well put. Not all of them are doing what they should by a long shot. Well put there, Susie. Thank you for the prayer. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you. Bye. It's real, real hard for parents to watch their adult children not do what they should, as Susie put it. It's real hard. It's hard for me as I watch my children make their decisions as adults. Not decisions I would make. But yet at the same time, there's got to be a part of me that says God God still has his hand on them somehow, some way. And prayer is a mystery. You really don't know how it works, how it weaves its way through their own free will to do what they wish when they wish. I remember one time I was listening to an evangelical preacher. This was when I think I was out of the Catholic Church and I listened to uh, evangelical radio. He made an observation that we aren't always alive on this earth to see 
what our prayers did. Our prayers have an effect after we're gone. And the point he was making was that in some ways this keeps us humble because God doesn't let us see every piece of good that sprang from our efforts or our prayers, our help. Otherwise, we might get a little full of ourselves. So in his time, our prayers work their effect, but we might not be right here to see that. Well, Dr. Abe, we see it from heaven. Well, perhaps. I'm not sure exactly all what we're privy to in heaven. It's a mystery. But we don't see it here, is the point. I'm Dr. Ray. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. Isn't it awesome that we today do not recognize his presence? In the Eucharist. Is it because we really don't go to him in humbleness of heart and say, Lord, I don't believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I want to see you. I want to recognize you. I cannot live without you. Are we saying that? EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. appreciate the company so very much. I'm Dr. Ray Grandy, program the doctor is in. I have embarked in the last several months to putting up what they, I guess what they call reels. I don't know these things. You're talking to a guy who wore his garage door opener way back so people would think I had a pager, so I looked important. But there's 30 to 45 seconds of bits, of life bits, of hopefully helpful observations and guidance regarding life, regarding marriage, regarding child-rearing, regarding faith, those kinds of things. And uh, my son is uh, putting those up, and he has a he's, has a fairly tech-savvy mind, so he's telling me, keep it short, Dad, keep it short. Okay, so uh, Instagram is up. 
Uh, I was going to say Instagrams, but I figured ah, that's already been taken a few times. Just to finish up a commentary that I began in the beginning of the program, I was talking a little bit about St. Luke and recounting the birth of our Lord and prior to the birth when the angel Gabriel, and he said the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Now, the only way Luke would know this, unless you, you uh, speculate that God put it in his brain, was that Mary told him. Mary said the angel identified himself as Gabriel. But it's interesting. He said, hail, full of grace. As I commented, hail in the Greek means it precedes royalty. It precedes great importance. So it wasn't, hello, Mary, how you doing? It was hail, as one would say, hail Caesar. Full of grace. Now, I've heard that uh, translated in the Greek word, which means you who have been pro, you who have been perfected in grace, which kind of means, uh, yeah, uh, Mary was without the stain of sin. Then it says, but Mary was greatly troubled at this saying. Well, you got to figure if she was 13, 14, 15, 16 years old and you're seeing, well, the question raises, what exactly was she seeing? Was it light? Was it some kind of human form? Exactly what was it? Oh, Dr. Ray, it's not important now. All that's important is the essence, the whole story. Yeah, I understand that, but isn't it neat to think about it? I mean, I've seen people who can think two hours on whether they should have called a draw play on 3rd and 12. But this is kind of cool, thinking how how did Gabriel present himself? Dr. A, don't say himself. Yes, I understand that. So what do I say? Present themselves? How did the angel Gabriel present himself to Mary so she would see something? Would it be great to know what she saw? See, that's, that's where my mind goes. That's where the Western mind goes. I want details. What, what did the angel look like? Tell me. Uh, obviously, he didn't have wings. That's, that's our portrayal. Okay, so was it just all light? Was it a, a light that you can see through? Was it a fully human form? What, what, come on, tell us, tell us, tell us. Well, apparently Luke and the Holy Spirit didn't think we needed to know that for any reason. But apparently Mary was scared. I mean, I think there's something like 365 presentations of angels in Scripture, and pretty much every one of them evokes fear. So these are pretty powerful creatures. These aren't these little little cherubs, you know, these little six-year-old girl faces with the wings. No, these are powerful beings. I, I was sending out some Christmas cards, and this one Christmas card had a little cherub angel on it, looked like a face of a seven-year-old girl with curls. I didn't send it out. I just That just doesn't represent angels, as one might come across the information about them on Scripture. You have found favor with God. You got to figure, okay, what is a kid going to be thinking? What does that mean? I found favor with God. Now, the angel goes on to explain, but as the angel explains, can you imagine 
I would think our blessed lady's human. She was a young girl, maybe barely a teenager, hearing this. You have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son? You had to be thinking as the angel was saying this, yeah, but but wait, I I I intend to I intend to stay a virgin. Um and he talks about Jesus. He he predicts. He says he'll be great, son of the most high. Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now you gotta figure Mary's not thinking, oh, okay, so he's come to redeem the world. No, she's probably thinking, oh. All right, the house of Jacob, that's Israel, that's us. So we will have a forever king, somehow, some way. She wasn't thinking, oh, he's here to redeem people from his sins. Then she says, very innocently, she says, how can this happen? She's not, she's not challenging the angel. She's, saying, she's not saying, well, you know, I, I, you're, you're jumping to conclusions here. You don't know what you're talking about because... I fully intend to stay a virgin. And I remember when I was in the Protestant world, that was a verse that was never really brought up because they didn't, they didn't believe, of course, that Mary remained a virgin. That particular tradition of Christianity thought, no, 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 she, she had other kids, she had brothers and sisters, and, you know, Jesus was just the first one. Well, does it make any sense whatsoever, logically, that Mary will say, how can this be since I have no husband? And Mary had to be, she was betrothed. So she soon was to have a husband. And I am sure she knew how babies were made. So for her to say this can't be because I have no husband, meaning I'm not going to consummate this relationship. No intention to. I'm going to stay a virgin. That's the only way that statement makes any sense. Augustine talked about that. He says the only way that would make any sense is if she fully intended to remain a virgin and Gabriel's telling her, you're going to have a child. And she's thinking, how? But it's not a defiant how. It's not a you don't know what you're talking about how. It's not a I'm not going to do it that way how. It was, okay, I'm taking you at your word How's that going to happen? And then the angel said something very significant. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You know, that is euphemism in Scripture. That means the Holy Spirit will impregnate you. That's euphemistic language in Scripture. Will come upon you and overshadow you. Ooh, overshadow, that's the same thing. The Shekinah glory cloud overshadowed the ark. That's the only, there's only two places in Scripture where overshadow is you, and that's one of them right there. The other one is the Shekinah glory cloud of God overshadowing the ark. That's it. Anyway, I got to go. I got a lot more to say about this. Good Lord permitting. We'll continue it tomorrow. Thank you so very much for joining me here on The Doctor Is In. I'm Dr. Ray. Walk with God eternally. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram.
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.